Let's sing two verses of Come Gracious Spirit, Heavenly Dove. Come Gracious Spirit, Heavenly Dove, with light and comfort from above, be reminded again this evening of how much God cares for us and how much he loves us and desires what's good for you and I. If only we would love him in the same way that he loves us. And whether the chorister knew it or not, the songs tonight really did fit with the message. The dearest idol I have known, whatever that idol be, help me that idol to dethrone and worship only thee. I have in my hands tonight a fresh loaf of bread that my dear wife made and uh, you know there's only one kind of jelly, that's strawberry jelly. I'm just kidding. And I have a jar of ashes. Which would you prefer for dinner? Would it shock you if I were to tell you tonight that though I know bread is good for me, though I know it has nutritional value, though I know it brings life, would it shock you if I told you that I prefer the ashes? I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter 44. And our text is in verse 20. The title of the message Feeding on ashes or feeding on bread. Feeding on ashes or feeding on bread. Now I know that I know that bread is good for me. And I know that it is nutrition, nutritional. But these just came off the market. This is the latest rage. 
This is the newest thing on the market. Notice this verse. Isaiah 44, verse 20 says this. He feedeth on ashes a deceived heart hath turned him aside that he cannot deliver his soul nor say is there not a lie in my right hand we might say this he feedeth on ashes yet the appetite is not satisfied Jesus stated it this way in a rebuke to Peter he said get thee behind me Satan for thou savorest not the things that be of God the word savorous means this it means to have feeling for it means to be interested in it means to have an affection for the things of God. The heart is the seat of one's affection. And A.W. Tozer says this, we become what we feed on as people. So the question for tonight is, what am I feeding on? What am I savoring? What captures my time and attention? What pulls at my heart? What is my primary diet? What does it consist of? Ashes? Or bread? If you look at the text a little closer and kind of dissect it, the word feeding means to graze, to pasture. It's the place a person goes to satisfy their hunger. Illustration would be a cow that's grazing on a barren hillside when there is a lush pasture right beside it. We are funny people. My dad used to get the farm journal and I could still see him in the corner laughing over A to the A Shire. We're not much different. A to the A Shire, the cow has her head turned around the fence post and is eating grass where she is. She's trying to get grass on the other side, but she, and isn't it funny how we are as people in terms of our responses to life. We would ask, how can it happen? Why does it happen? Well, there's a deceived heart. The word deceived means a person cheats themselves. It means to get confused, just like Ada the Ashire. It means to wander away from what is true. And so it, the word hath turned him aside, a deceived heart hath turned him aside. No one would eat ashes. 
unless their hearts were deceived and they were turned aside. It's like a person starts out in green pastures, but curiosity prevailed and led into an exciting but barren wasteland. And Satan is the master of deception. And he knows how to pull you and I away from what is really valuable and what brings spiritual health and spiritual life. The key phrase is turned aside. The Bible says make straight paths for your feet lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. And in our passage for the week, he encourages us to keep our heart above all keeping, to look straight before us, to ponder the path of our feet, and to not turn aside to the right or to the left. But we have an enemy who seeks to turn us aside from that which really brings satisfaction and blessing in our lives. So we get weary, just like the children of Israel. We get weary with the manna that God has provided. And guess what? We long for the leeks and the onions and the garlics of Egypt, not realizing that that is not going to bring us the kind of spiritual nourishment that we really need in our lives. And brothers and sisters, let me tell you, we live in a day where this becomes really challenging for us, if we're honest with ourselves. And so quickly the person gets caught in a lie, just like Mr. Tucker got caught in that corn picker. Like a fly in the spider web, like a drunk in his stupor, like a lost man in the woods, and like a sow in the mire, and like a dog returning to his vomit, it is so easy for us to get turned aside and not to stay on course. There's simply no explanation for this type of living or behavior, except that we have an enemy seeking to keep us from eating bread. Children, aren't you hungry out there? Would you like a fresh piece of bread? I remember Rosedale, bunch of us guys, and we get packages from home, and my mom sent a whole box of goodies out there, and in that box was a loaf of bread we had a snowstorm one night, and so no one wanted to sleep. There were some guys that were lost, and so we were trying to find them. And we were down in the boys' dorm, and I brought my box of goodies down there. You know what? Those guys, they never even waited for a knife. That loaf of bread disappeared so fast. They were pulling hunks of bread off and putting, oh my, butter and jelly and just having a feast. Wouldn't you like to have a wouldn't you like to have a piece? Man, my grandchildren, they love Ellie's homemade. You know, when you think about this, doesn't it give you just a, a good feeling? How would anyone, listen, how would anyone trade this for this? But let me ask you, 
How often does it happen in your journey of faith? And I'll just say, I'll get to this later, but internet provides a tremendous amount of opportunity for some ashes feeding. You know that? And I'll tell you, it pulls. I like to find out about the news, but I cannot stand here and tell you that I have not been pulled in a direction that I know is not for my spiritual welfare. And yet how often is our heart deceived and we turn aside from that which brings satisfaction and joy to that which is empty and brings a sense of guilt and a sense of bondage in our life. I think of the words in Proverbs, they have stricken me and I was not sick. They have beaten me and I felt it not. And when I awake, I will seek it yet again. More ashes, please. More ashes. The treadmill goes on. More ashes. And then we wonder why we don't feel good anymore. Why there's the ache in the side. You know the word bread is used over 300 times in the Bible with a consistent meaning of that which sustains life, that which nourishes. Bread is to our body what spiritual, God's word is to our soul. Without it, we die. And Jesus said, he is the bread of life. His words are spirit, his words are life. And he says, don't labor for the meat that perisheth, but labor for that which brings eternal life. And he is that living bread from heaven. But oh, how we try. Oh, how I try to nourish my soul with ashes. That's why I said at the beginning, even though we know, yet, let's face it, let's be honest with ourselves, ashes tempt us to go in the wrong direction in our spiritual lives. So let me read, beginning at verse 1 of this passage in chapter 44. You know, you just have to love God and his heart for humanity because you'll find again and again in the midst of his admonitions, in the midst of his condemnations, in the midst of his judgments, you will always find the heart of God for his people. And we see it here. So blessed with this. Notice verse 3. I will pour water. <laughs> you know what it's like to be thirsty. You know what it's like to come to the end of yourself and not know what to do. I would ask you, where do you go? When the ashes are gone and everything and you're at the end of the road, where do you go to? You know what? There's nothing like coming to our Heavenly Father, opening our hearts to Him. He says, I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon your offspring. And they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the water courses. Now go down to verse 12 and we see a change. 
the smith with tongs, both worketh in the coals, and fashioneth it with hammers, and worketh it with the strength of his arms. Yea, he is hungry, and the strength faileth. He drinketh no water, and is faint. The carpenter stretcheth out his rule. He marketh it out with a line. He fitteth it with planes, and he marked it out with a compass. He makes it after the figure of a man, according to the beauty of a man, that he remain in the house. He heweth down cedars, and taketh the cypress and the oak, which he strengtheneth for himself among the trees of the forest. He planteth an ash, and the rain doth nourish it. Then shall it be for a man to burn, for he will take thereof and warm himself. Yea, he kindleth it, and baketh bread. Yea, he maketh a god and worshipeth it. He maketh a graven image, and falleth down in there too. He burneth part in the fire, with part thereof he eateth flesh. He roasteth roast, and is satisfied. Yea, he warmeth himself. And he says, Aha, I am warm. I have seen the fire. And then the residue, he maketh a god, even his graven image. He falleth down to it. Get this. He falleth down to it. He worshipeth it and prayeth unto it and saith, Deliver me, for thou art my God. They have not known nor understood. For he has shut their eyes that they cannot see and their hearts that they cannot understand. And none considereth in his heart, neither is there knowledge nor understanding to say, I have burned part of it in the fire. Yea, I have also baked bread upon the coals thereof. I have roasted flesh and eaten it. And shall I make the residue thereof an abomination? Shall I fall down to the stock of a tree? Then this description, he feedeth on ashes. A deceived heart hath turned him aside. He cannot deliver his soul nor say, is there not a lie in my right hand? So God promises water for the thirsty. He promises satisfaction. And yet the temptation is there for us to get our tongs and our hammers and our rulers. And we make gods. We fall down in front of them. We worship them. We must have them. They become indispensable parts of our lives, demanding our time and attention. And finally... They take our love. What do you go to first in the morning? Just got a question for you. Now, maybe I just, but you know what? You know where I'm tempted to go in the morning a lot of times? To my computer. I want to check email. I want to check the news. Do you realize how quickly time can go by? And my wife is really faithful because we were very careful with our children and sometimes she, she says to me or she talks to me about how much time I spend on the computer. 
How does God see that? That's just one area. But how does God look at the way I invest my energy and my time? Well, what are these gods that we must worship and that we must follow? Well, you know what Jesus called them? They haven't changed, really. Jesus called them the lust for things, the lust for riches, the cares of this life. John identified them as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Peter says they're the pleasures of this world that bring death. And Paul called them the treasures of Egypt. So, as I look at some of the pressures we face today, several areas that I just want to talk about this evening. The first is the pursuit of the material. You know what Jesus specifically said? I didn't say this. Jesus said that life does not consist in the abundance of things that we possess. As an Anabaptist people, we have been blessed above so many. But I want to challenge us tonight. You know what? God calls us to a simple lifestyle and material things, though they are good and can be used, they can become, they can become the ashes in our lives. I shared about how my dad had us boys out by the pig pen, and he lamented that he never had much to give us in the way of material things. But you know what? He said, I hope I've given you enough that will take you safely to the other side. And you know what? My dad, it was very clear. He had a purpose for his family that went way beyond material things. When we were young, he had a, he had a motto put in our room. It has a picture of each of us children. And he had someone put a verse on there, and this is what it said. Heavenly Father, hear us, we pray. Keep us together as we are today. And when this life on earth is done, bring us together in Christ thy Son. Guess what? The priorities of our life become manifested by our pursuits and involvements. And I would just say to us, we need to really pay attention we are good at promoting modesty in dress, but we have not been real good at promoting modesty in lifestyle. And I believe they're both critical to spiritual life. I really do. Several questions. Is wanting it and liking it sufficient reason for buying it. By the way, young, young couples here, don't feel like you have to start where your parents are. Fortunately for Ellie and I, we were up north in Canada, and both of us experienced the value 
of a simple lifestyle, and we have committed ourselves to that regardless of what our income may be or not be. Can we effectively communicate the message of a cross? Listen. Can we effectively communicate the message of a cross in the midst of affluence? Probably never a culture has been so obsessed with comfort and convenience and luxury. And yet, what about Jesus' call to forsake all to follow him? to suffer for the kingdom of heaven, and to bear our cross. I remember Juan Ortiz at our minister's fellowship in New York, and he told us, we were all in, he said, take your coats off. He said, if you have a sweater, take it off. We took our coats off. He said, now I want you to tie it around your waist. <laughs> he was trying to communicate the importance of us serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then he asked us this question. He said, and I can't think of the reference, but it's this scripture. He said, if you go to your Bibles, he said, how many of you have this scripture underlined in your Bible? The scripture was, fear not, little children. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And about everyone raised their hand. And then he said, how many of you have the next verse underlined? Nobody. It says, sell that ye have. Now, I contend, we, we are people of the book, but I'll tell you what, we are a bit selective sometimes in what we will follow in the book. Paul warned Timothy about the temptations, the snares, the lusts that riches bring, and he urges them to flee these things. I was in India with Raymond Burkholder, and I was with Emmanuel, a native pastor, and we were in a rural town where I preached for them, and he was taking me to some houses that they were taking care, I think they were taking care of about 10 or 15 orphans in India, this little church. And he was saying to me, and the, the houses that they were using, there was, it was leaking, the roof didn't, and he was saying, you know what he said, think of what we could do if we had more resources. It brought tears to me. I said to him, I said, Emmanuel, I said, I'm going to tell you something. You're doing more with limited resources here than what we do in our country with all kinds of resources. It was a convicting thing to me that in a country where there was not much, they were committed to working in the kingdom. And in our country, we have adopted the American dream. In a lot of ways, hook, line, and sinker, and think that that's where life, let me tell you, that is not where life consists. In fact, when we came home from Canada, I battled with my flesh. I was on the way home, and the question was this, Dave, are you going to go home and fit into the American dream? And I made a decision that I would put ministry and people ahead of material things. I want to tell you something. I have never regretted that decision. Has it been tough? Yes, sometimes. Has God been faithful? Yes, he has been faithful. You can trust your God. Jesus said, if you seek first the kingdom 
and his righteousness, he promises that all these things will be added unto you. The disciples said, well, Lord, we've left all to follow you. And Jesus said, I want you to know something. If you've left all to follow me, you will have houses and lands and ultimately eternal life. So Jesus is trustworthy. God is trustworthy. Be careful about the pursuit of the material. I think of a farm right close to where I live. This man was pretty protective. He was a member of our church. Pretty protective of his farm. Pretty protective of his... You didn't want to borrow. You didn't want to borrow from him. And if you did borrow from him, you better make sure it went back better than when you borrowed it. But you know what? You know what? He left it all behind. I go by that farm today. Yeah, he left it. He couldn't take it with him. And in the words of a Baptist brother that came to our church, he worked on old cars. He liked old cars, and he fixed them up. And I'd go see him. He actually put, a, he put his children's sliding board in my old VW bus just to fix it. It was a bus that Ellie's dad had. It. He'd say, Dave, it's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. I'm just saying we should hold loosely the material things of this world because we can't take it. But you know what? Think of this. You can take people with you. You can lay up treasures in heaven. And listen, I am not against wealth. I was in missions, and I know how missions have been supported by people who God gave the gift of making money. And I even express appreciation to those people because without their investment in the kingdom of heaven, a lot of missions would not go forward. I wasn't going to preach on this tonight. Why am I preaching on this? I don't know. But anyway, it's just, I want us to know that life, life does not consist in things And I know our young, and I love our young people today because you know what I see in our young people? I see our young people wanting to live for something greater, something more lasting, something that's going to have eternal benefits. And for those of you who are teaching school and for those of you who are investing in people's lives, I, I just want to bless you. There are more important things. Now, Are those things wrong? It's like the guys say, Dave, are newspapers wrong? No. God knows our heart. He knows the priority things have in our lives. The second thing is the pursuit of pleasure. Children, who can answer this question? Who chose rather? One of you children want to answer my question. Who chose rather to suffer affliction with God's people than to enjoy the pleasures of sin? Back there's a hand. Who was it? Moses. <laughs> Moses chose rather to suffer. I was concerned about 
a report I heard that some of our young people were watching a particular movie. I went to one of those young people and I just questioned them about the wisdom of watching this movie. And they weren't, re and I said, there's, there's sexual scenes in that movie. And this girl looked at me and she said, Brother Dave, we know all about that. And then I have a question. Should we know all about that? The Bible says, I will have you simple concerning evil. That means I would have you ignorant concerning evil. God doesn't want our lives bombarded with evil that brings temptation and areas of struggle and causes us to stumble and fall. And young people here again, there's a need to set some boundaries in your heart. Our son-in-law was over in Thailand. He told me, he said, you know what, Dad? As a young man, he realized that if he didn't set up some kind of accountability, he was going to go places that he didn't want to go. And young person today, you really do need to make those decisions and boundaries in your heart. Many times parents are unaware of the diet of their children. We work through that music and otherwise. That's why, parents, it's so important that you stay in touch with your children. And I, I, I'll just give you what I think is a good way to do that. Just be in touch and asking them, how are things going in your spiritual life? How are, can you do that as parents? My dad really did talk to us boys. Sometimes we didn't answer him. And I found out sometimes my children would say, Dad, I'm doing okay, only to come back a week or two later and say, you know what, Dad, remember you asked me how I was doing? I wasn't honest with you. And then they would proceed to let me know how they were really doing. And again, can I say this? I just think it's so sad that when children could benefit so much from their parents and from their life's experience, Satan often has them separated from that input. That is so sad. The last one I have here is the pursuit of fashion. Wow. You talk, you talk, you talk about pressure. As a boy growing up, I would say, Pop, Everyone else has white socks and short pants, <laughs> and they were tight. <laughs> My dad had to say, he'd say, others may, but you cannot. <laughs> I didn't like that answer. I could say a lot about that, but I won't. <laughs> we basically had four, four or five principles for our children. One is modesty, simplicity, 
uh, stewardship, what it costs, and then don't follow the fads. Fads come and go. There's kind of a there's kind of a place in the middle there that I think a person can function where you don't feel completely out of sync. <laughs> I want to close with Philippians chapter 3. You'll recognize these verses. You know, sometimes I have yearnings in my heart. Do you get yearnings? Sometimes I get upset at myself. Do you get upset with yourselves? Do you ever wonder why, given all that God has done for me, Sometimes it's like you have to talk to yourself. Dave, what's wrong with you? <laughs> this passage, Paul says this, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection from the dead. I hope you've gotten the point of the message tonight. And I think it's good for us to think about what pulls my heart. Does bread, does bread pull me? Does spending time with God pull me? Or is it kind of, is it kind of in the, on the back shelf? when I get time and do other things take my attention. He feedeth on ashes, a deceived heart hath turned him aside, and he cannot say, he cannot realize, he cannot perceive that there's a lie in his right hand. He's living different than his profession of faith. Let's stand together for closing prayer. Lord, we thank you that you are the bread of life. We thank you that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. Father, we live in a culture that bombards us with media, with all kinds of attractions. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage to make decisions about what our focus and about what our life will be wrapped up in. I pray for the young people here today especially. I just pray, Father, that you'd protect them from evil. And I pray that you would bless their lives with a deep peace and purpose of following after you. And for all of us as families, Lord, give us grace in these days to be able to focus on the things that really matter. And we commit ourselves to you for Jesus' sake. Amen. God bless.